Hello and welcome to another Who's He video podcast, covering topics that we wouldn't normally talk about in our audio show. In this episode, I'm going to talk about the phenomenon of stunt casting. But first, what does stunt casting actually mean? Well, if you Google the phrase, the definition is as follows. The practice of casting a famous actor or other celebrity in a small role in order to publicise or promote a television programme, film or play. Now, I suppose you could say that stunt casting reached its peak in Doctor Who during the 1980s when John Nathan Turner was the series producer. Always one for getting the show in his extremely loud shirts into the headlines, he was very fond of casting people that weren't always quite suited to the world of Doctor Who. But let's consider a key word in that definition, celebrity. Casting a celebrity rather than an actor will always create more headlines, and this is something that Russell T. Davis also indulged in when he was the showrunner by casting, for example, Peter Kay in Love and Monsters and Kylie Minogue in Voyage of the Damned. Okay, you could argue that Kylie started her acting before she became a pop star, but by the time she appeared in Doctor Who, she was more famous for her singing than her acting. So, rather than try and go through every single example of stunt casting in our favourite show, I'm going to pick my top five stunt casting... casting. Now, there is no rule to who I've selected here. The people in this short chart just stood out for me, be they good or bad casting choices. And to be honest, they are all from the J&T era, because there were quite a few celebrities knocking around then who were widely known in the UK across all age groups, and for better or worse, were guaranteed to grab attention. Right, so let's get cracking then with number five in my chart. Nicholas Parsons. Yeah, Nicholas Parsons, who was really known in the UK at the time as the quiz master for Anglia TV's quiz Side of the Century, and also in BBC Radio 4's long-running panel game Just a Minute. But Nicholas Parsons' career really started in acting after the Second World War, before he became the resident comedian at the famous or infamous Windmill Theatre in 1952. During the 1950s, he also voiced the character Tex Tucker in Jerry Anderson's puppet show, Four Feather Falls, before returning to comedy again, partnering with comedian Arthur Haynes, whose double act lasted for 10 years. Continuing in the comedy vein, he also appeared as a regular in The Benny Hill Show from 1968 to 1971, as well as sporadic forays into acting again, mainly in theatre. It was during the late 60s and during the 1970s that it became best known as the host of the aforementioned TV game show, Side of the Century, and the radio panel show, Just a Minute. However, my favourite comedy that it appeared in was Mr Jolly Lives Next Door, part of the comic strip series that aired in 1988. Starring Rick Mayle, Adrian Edmondson, and Peter Cook as the violent contract killer Mr Jolly, Parsons' reaction to Mayle and Edmondson doesn't appear to require that much acting. Right, where do you want to go? Uh, Mad Kenny's all-night drinker, Fatty Amal's kebab and off-licence? Or uh, straight to the peep show? Well, well, actually, I have reserved a table for three at the Dorchester. The Dorchester? Yes, the Dorchester. The Dorchester with Nicholas Bloody Parsons! Brilliant! Let's go! Then, in 1989, Nicholas Parsons was cast as the Reverend Wainwright in The Curse of Fenric. At the time, I just thought, Nicholas Parsons? As like so many others at the time, I only really knew him from Saturday of the Century. But Parsons was surprisingly good as the vicar had lost his faith in God and humanity. It's not true! You don't believe it! Look at us! There's no good in us! No! I believe in good! You believe in yourself! There's no 
wanting you. No! 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 There was nothing over the top about his performance whatsoever and appeared to be taking it all in his stride. However, despite what you may think about Nicholas Parsons, he can come across as pompous at times. It is also known that he is the concert professional and is very good at what he does, so in my opinion, this case of stunt casting paid off quite handsomely. So, on to number four in my chart. Beryl Reed. Ah, now, Beryl Reed, someone at the time I only knew from this. How wrong was I? Beryl Reed began her career music hall, or vaudeville if from, from North America, before and after World War II, appearing in variety shows and pantomimes, and despite having no training, appeared at the Royal National Theatre as a comedy actress. However, she first really came to national attention as a cast member of the 1950s radio comedy series Educating Archie, which starred ventriloquist Peter Bruff and his doll Archie Andrews. Yep, a ventriloquist on the radio. I can't fathom that one out either. But her best known role, for which she won a Tony Award in 1966 for best performance by a leading actress in a play, was as June Buckridge in The Killing of Sister George, a role she reprised in the film adaptation in 1968, for which she was nominated a Golden Globe. A bit later in her career, she was cast as Connie Sachs in the BBC's adaptations of Tinker Taylor's Soldier Spy and Smiley's People, for which she won a BAFTA for best actress on television. However, it was during her time on Get Up and Go that she was cast as Briggs in Earthshock in 1982. Now, having looked at her previous acting career, you would think an actress who was nominated for a Golden Globe and won a BAFTA and Tony Award would be able to handle a play in a character such as Briggs. Seven hours. I'm exhausted. Were there problems with security? Earth's on red alert. Some interstellar conference. That's why they're checking that bit more carefully. Well, to be honest, her casting in this role was a little bit off. The costume department were not that successful in making her look like a tough, space-faring, no-nonsense freighter captain, and for me she didn't really convince in the role either. But that's not to say she put in a bad performance because she didn't. I just don't think she was right for the part. So on this occasion, the stunt casting wasn't 100% successful. So now, let's move on to number three in my chart. Ken Dodd. Ken Dodd was and still is a British icon, one of the last, if not the last, of the great variety entertainers. Ken Dodd has been entertaining British audiences in TVs and theatres for over 60 years and was this year made a knight of the realm. Stand-up comedian, singer, ventriloquist and famous for inventing phrases such as Tatty Valerius! I suppose that acting in something aside from sketches in his many TV shows was a logical step. But Doctor Who, though? Surely a, pure, a more pure comedic role would suit. Well, J&T thought otherwise, and Dodd was duly cast as the Tollmaster in Delta and the Bannermen. But despite his very brief role, he proved himself to be rather adept, and while the role didn't really request him to stretch his acting chops, decades of appearing in TV and radio sketches proved that he could turn in a decent acting performance. 
But when you take Britain's favourite funny man and do this to him, I was shocked. They just shot Ken Dodd. In the back. It's not something you expect to see when we normally see him well, doing this. Now, not that again. This. Well, if you, if you walked all the way, Dickie, you must be very tired and very thirsty. Yes. Would you like a big bottle of brown beer? Watch my lips. A big bottle of brown beer and some brown bread and butter or a shandy? A shandy. <laughs> so really, I actually think the stunt casting here really paid off. He was hired to take on a light-hearted role, which wasn't much of a stretch for him, but was then murdered by Don Henderson and his little balmy army in a very non-comedic way. So really, while it wasn't too strange to see Kendall in a brightly coloured outfit, seeing him take on a role which ended with him being unceremoniously killed off, I think it was a brave choice for him. I mean, you would expect him to live and see off the Doctor and Mel at the end. Who would have expected to see him die? No, it's Ken Dodd. So, let's move on to number two in my chart, with Concord. Yes, I'm including Concord as stunt casting, but hear me out on this one. For the much derided serial time flight, J&T managed to convince British Airways to let them film in Heathrow Airport and on their most famous aircraft, Concord, which became an integral part of the story. But how is this stunt casting? Well, to my mind, Concord was a celebrity. Whenever you heard the roar of Concord flying overhead, people always glanced upwards. There was something almost mystical about Concord. It had an unobtainable quality. Most of us dreamt of flying in Concord one day, but we knew we would never, ever get the chance. So my inclusion of this aircraft in my Doctor Who stunt casting chart is really nothing more than a love letter to the aircraft itself. There was something special that I loved about it, and while Concord wasn't used that much in the show itself and was represented at one point by a very shoddy model, the one thing that people remember Time Flight for, apart from being bloody awful, is that it's the one we Concord in. So, if JNT's inclusion of Concord in this story was to generate headlines and publicity for the show, well, job done then. But now, it's number one, and it's the one and only, Lee John. Now, why is Lee John placed at number one in my chart? Well, there is one very good and simple reason for this, and that is the worst person to be stunt cast in this list. Those who came before in this list proved themselves by working in theatre and television before they were cast in Doctor Who. But Lee John, he was cast with no previous acting experience, and I'm guessing he was only cast as he was popular at the time. He was enjoying his 15 minutes, as it were. For those of you who don't know, Lee John formed one third of a briefly popular British soul funk combo, Imagination, whose biggest hits were Body Talk and Just an Illusion. To give you an idea of what kind of soul funk combo they were, take a look at this. Flamboyant doesn't cover it. So on the basis of this it seems, J 
Jane T thought that Lee John would be the perfect replacement for the original actor, David Rule, who was due to play the character of Mansell, but unfortunately had to drop out the production of Enlightenment at the last minute due to scheduling clashes. And so it came to pass, the least threatening space pirate ever committed to videotape was shown to the waiting world. Even in 1983, I failed to understand why he was cast as Mansell, and I understand it even less now. While the actors or personalities to appear previously in this list actually acted their parts, with the exception of Concord obviously, Lee John was just Lee John. I mean, look at him menacing Turlo in this clip. Your friends will be arriving soon. The Doctor. And Miss Teagan and Mr. Mariner. What do they want? I don't know, sir. Soon you'll be able to ask them yourself. Just look at the way he subtly threatened Mark Strickson with that chicken drumstick there. Quite chilling. But you can also increase the sexual tension between them by simply adding a brief snippet of Imagination's music. Your friends will be arriving soon. The Doctor. And Miss Teagan and Mr. Mariner. What do they want? I don't know, sir. Soon you'll be able to ask them yourself. And Lee John was also one of the finest exponents of steering a ship acting. We're gaining on them. Good. I want us lying level. You shall serve me too. Come with me. We will go to our guardian and together we will listen to his voice. Actually, let's look at that again. But this time, I'll add some more of Imagination's music over the top of the clip, and you can see that Lee John is just reacting to the music playing in his head. We're gaining on them. Good. I want us lying level. You shall, sir, Come with me. We will go to our guardian, and together we will listen to his voice. When they were casting Pirates of the Caribbean, why didn't he get a call? He was masterful. But can I really blame him for his performance? Well, no, I can't. It wasn't his fault. He was cast with no acting experience, obviously saw this as an opportunity to do something else rather than front a glam funk band, and took the chance to appear in a television program that was a British institution. But unfortunately, he may have achieved the accolade of being the worst actor cast in Doctor Who. So, moving forward to the new era of Doctor Who with people complaining about the likes of Billy Piper, Catherine Tate, Matt Lucas, and now Bradley Walsh, as examples of modern day stunt casting, it seems the complaints from fandom about castings about supposed non-actors will rumble on for years to come. But when you look at the performances that Piper, Tate, and Lucas gave, just remember, you've never had it so good. See you next time. <laughs>